spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 155th annual Subliminal Reception Podcast. Your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Oh, not doing too bad. I kind of want to bring up this quick before I forget about it. So remember last week we talked about the UFO thing that was going on in Congress, right? Yes. Yep. So that must have happened either yesterday at some point because the news stories are starting to sprout, you know, sprout out about it. Did you read anything about it? Just a little bit, but what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, while it sounds compelling, it it appears, at least through the story, the news article, they're not really saying anything different than <laughs> what they did before. No, yeah, and that's kind of what we were kind of like talking about, you know, kind of much to do about nothing. But we were, you know, high hopes that maybe something big would come out of it. From the news article that I read, kind of like they went through one of the videos that they showed and they just kind of admitted that they really have. It was a different one than the the pill UFO that the Navy took. This was a like a flying saucer one. They were saying that basically like they have no explanation for it. And, you know, that's kind of a not a huge deal, but it's like, well, at least they're saying trying to say it's well, swamp gas or Venus or something. <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess. It, see, I think here's where, where people like us m- maybe get a little annoyed because it's like, yeah, they're saying they don't know what it is, but also they won't necessarily say what they believe it might may be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's no. Well, I mean, you're at a government hearing, you know, in front of Congress. You don't want to like really speculate. You know, also, if you're an expert, maybe working for the government you know, you have a paycheck that depends on you sounding like a rational human being. You don't want to immediately come out and be like, I don't know what it is. So aliens, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. you got a paycheck to worry about. I mean, you got a mortgage, inflation's going up, your retirement, everyone else, just like everyone else, your retirement account is fucking dwindling as we speak. So, you know what? Speaking of that, <laughs> I've been watching or I've seen enough Amber Heard, Johnny Depp clips to, uh, Get a pretty good idea on how trials work at this point. Have you have you seen any of the clips of them too? Yeah, my uh, well, my Google News feed thinks that it is the most important thing on Earth happening <laughs> right now. Literally, the world is burning around us. Like we are sinking into a recession. Gas prices are up to like five thirty five a gallon in the valley right now, and all I see is Amber Heard, Johnny Depp. Ooh, everyone hates this bitch Amber Heard, and she pooped in the bed. Like, okay, great, I get it. What are we doing about fucking inflation? <laughs> you know, goddamn, a steak at the grocery store costs like nineteen bucks right now. What the fuck's going on here? Why are we doing this? You know, damn, I think that's just Arizona right now, Phil, because Minnesota does not have those problems yet. Okay. Gas is still $4 here, but also I think it's always been cheaper here because they, because of, I think was the North Dakota or 
South Dakota, the pipeline. I can't yeah, remember which so one. So there, there's some oil coming in from like the plain states to your west. Also, there is that giant refinery that is like, as you're coming up from the south, there's that giant refinery. I'm pretty sure that any transportation costs are cut down for you guys. Because I remember going to Minneapolis, St. Paul to visit you like a year and a half ago. And I remember thinking gas prices were cheaper there. So what was the bad guys there? They had their like meeting area. Was that the Fortress of Solitude? Is that what they call the bad guys area? The Fortress of Solitude was like Superman's. Okay. Here's what I was going to say. Whatever the evil people's hideout was called, that is what you can call that refinery right outside of the Twin Cities. It stinks. You can basically just watching it dissolve the ozone from the clouds. Like when it's really cold out, you would not believe the level of just smoke that's coming out of that fucking thing. Oh, yeah. Even on like I remember when we drive by that thing, it'll be like a decently sunny day um, around that area. And then when you go through there, all of a sudden you just start seeing like weird low cloud cover just kind of hanging out. You know who owns that bad boy? Is it goddamn Barry Satiro? Close. Um, not quite as evil. The Koch brothers. Remember them? Ooh, yeah. yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I you know what's funny? They were like huge Trump donators and I remember after the January sixth thing, they started releasing all these like fucking <laughs> these like apology letters. You know, the to- <laughs> the typical like yeah. corporate backpedaling thing and i i haven't heard a word from them since then but it was kind of funny they uh they're not to be trusted we'll just say that yeah the Koch brothers they put a lot of money into like conservative action committee like the political action committees for you know conservative candidates causes and all that so a lot of the money that they put up kind of goes it's not like you're gonna see like sponsored by the Koch brothers and then it's you know but it's a lot of it in the background but no i i didn't see any of that uh, yeah, I I don't know if Arizona is doing this too. And I, I just started hearing about this. Speaking of alternative energies here, have you seen like commercials for aid for setting up solar panels on your house? Oh, yeah, that's huge here. Is that's... it? Well, I mean, I guess you have more sun than almost anybody. Yeah, there's 300 plus sunny days in this state. Yeah. Look, so, I would yeah. do it in a heartbeat if I could. But where I live now, I am not allowed. If the sun ever shone in St. Paul, Minnesota, then yeah, definitely. Okay, apparently, even when it's cloudy during the winter, that's an it's enough to get some solar energy out of it. Okay, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not a homeowner. I don't know much about it. I do know that the the entrance costs are pretty high. Well, no, so. I that's what I'm saying. There's a government program assisting people with getting it or something. Okay, gotcha. Something so they're like helping that. out. Right. Yeah. I don't know. And you got to say it like this, Phil. You're not a homeowner yet. You know, you got to put that out in the universe. So then you will eventually become one when the market calms down. Yeah. I think in about 15 years, it's just, you know, all the corporations are going to own pretty much all the houses and we're all just <laughs> going to be renters. You're going to have to go to a fucking rest home when we're like 41 years old. Us? Oh, God. We're never, our generation's never retiring. There's no, no. way. But what I'm saying is, and they're gonna, and they're gonna make us live to be 115, still fucking working, (laughs) still working at a factory plug. What I'm saying is not for retiring, Phil, 
the corporations are going to put us in these small buildings and kind of trapping us in there. And the only time we can leave is to go to work and then we have to return home. Oh, just like the 1900s. Yeah. You can either go to work or to church, but you can't go anywhere else. Nope. You're living in the tenement. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we've been blabbering enough. Let's uh, let's get <laughs> into this bad boy here. All right. Let's do this. Imagine after taking a short hike through the Arizona desert on your tour group when suddenly one of your fellow hikers, who also happens to be wearing very high-powered night vision goggles, calls out to the rest of the group. There's one. And they aim their laser pointer out into the strange lights darting across the sky. Look, another one. A different woman will call out as the group's gaze now darts back and forth in the sky. And you wonder, is our tour guide correct? And could this really be the UFO superhighway located near Sedona, Arizona? Hell yeah. Ah, first off, you made a mistake. Because when you said high-powered night vision goggles, aren't those just called tactical goggles, Phil? Well, you know, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, the the tactical goggles, really, it's all the, kind of the same shit. You got to make so. it sound like you're trying to spread freedom across the world, like freedom dis- freedom brightening uh, night, <laughs> night uh, goggles. Bad guy illuminators. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, quick question. If they're yeah. with it, this guy's on a date, maybe there's a double date, Two dudes, two chicks, two dudes, two more dudes. However you want to play it. They see a UFO. Is anybody getting laid tonight? Oh, I'm sure everyone's getting laid. Okay. Everybody's, you know, this is probably, if these people are tourists from, you know, honestly, I'm going to mention it a little bit. So these tours, people come in from all over the world on these tours. And if you actually see a strange light, that's pretty much your, your whole life right there. So UFO is ultimate aphrodisiac. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Especially when they pick you up and, you know, you get to do all the butt stuff. If you get like, uh, if you get couples probing, um, you've mm-hmm. had a special moment. Oh, definitely. <laughs> that tour is just one of many that is advertised to promise a look at an unidentified flying object appearing and disappearing outside of the strange city of Sedona, Arizona, which is flanked by the very mysterious red rock buttes that define the region. This location is at the epicenter is what is thought to be a portal between worlds. Okay, so this is a legitimate tour Oh, yes. you can sign up for. Okay, are they guaranteeing a you'll see a flying object or at least a light or something? I don't know if you can guarantee it, but from what the, the advertisements from a lot of these tours, they pretty much say that they see these whenever they go out. And that was actually a firsthand account from one of the tours that I was reading. Okay. Well, that's kind of cool. I have a feeling they might just hire like failed actors and just say, hey, can you go flash a light off a canyon <laughs> in the distance? I guarantee <laughs> I guarantee they Spielberg s- will see you. They have some tech school dropout, just kind of fly a drone through the sky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. <laughs> So if you actually look on the internet for Sedona, Arizona UFO tours, you're going to see basically the first three or four pages are just filled with different companies trying to get you to go on these tours. I'm not sure exactly how many of them actually have like, you know, the money for the night vision goggles, but I have actually looked through night vision goggles at the sky before. 
uh, while I was in Reykjavik, Iceland, you would be amazed at how many stars you see when you're looking through night vision goggles. Really? Oh, yeah. It basically, I would say like it was a so it was out at this very little used airport um, called Keplavik near Reykjavik. So there's not a lot of lights out there. Um, you could see a lot of stars in the sky. You put those night vision goggles on and I would have to say it like the amount of stars at least tripled. Like it was crazy how many you could see. Wow, that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, definitely. You know what? Actually, real quick before you continue on, this is ironic you're doing this episode today because literally a person I work with, their their partner currently just today was looking for a telescope so they can try to find alien or look for aliens at night. Interesting. Yeah. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Do they? Uh, do they have sex with this person, or do they just kind of, you know, they, when they uh, when they decide not to buy telescopes to look for aliens, I'll I'll let you hit it. <laughs> I don't know that part. I'm just gonna say this, <laughs> ladies or gentlemen, if your part if you're listening to this show and your partner is into aliens, this is a keeper. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know it is, Phil. Yeah, I'm guessing. Well, I know you work mostly with women. So, yeah, yeah. Just assuming, yeah. <laughs> it's some weird dude looking for telescopes. Hey, but. you know what? <laughs> Better, I said, I kind of like this guy now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The uh, I will say, though, the weird thing about kind of the description of how these lights act that they see, like when they're looking through these night vision telescopes, I will say it kind of reminded me of how um, satellites, when you see a satellite streaming through the sky. So if when you're not wearing night vision goggles, you look up, at the, look up at the sky. You really can't see that many like satellites. Maybe you see the International Space Station when it's coming over, but most satellites you really don't see. I think with those night vision goggles, you can actually see like telecommunication satellites streaming through the sky. That makes sense. That makes because yeah. they do kind of. I mean, they do have a light of some kind on them, I believe, right? And they they do reflect light. So yeah. all that night vision goggles do is they just magnify the light that's already there. So if there's just a faint little bit of light, it'll illuminate it like more so that you can see it. So, you know what I heard you're supposed to, and this is a new TikTok challenge. You put your night vision goggles on and then you have your friends flashbang you. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you just completely go fucking blind. Yeah. yeah. It's called don't go blind challenge. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it actually. Yeah. I mean, that's you probably shouldn't be saying that. No, you know, please on don't. The internet because don't, you gotta say, please don't do that because there are some people out there. True, questionable intelligence. We're not responsible because that was clearly satire. So don't try yes. it. Yeah, allegedly there's a TikTok challenge. You gotta say that shit. <laughs> In the very beginning, early man spread across the world, spending much of their time really just trying to survive, though. When they finally did settle down and begin creating settlements and societies, early humans would begin to thrive. Also, though, really begin to ponder their place in the world and what may have actually put them there, with the first gods created being really just that of the prominent features of the environment that surrounded them. These gods were really familiar phenomena. Uh, a lot of times being bodies of water, the earth under their feet, local flora and fauna. Also, an important one is the weather and seasonal changes that affected their everyday lives. But for many civilizations across the world, 
their gods would come directly from the sky above, that being the sun, the moon, and even star formations, with some of their gods actually taking mostly humanoid form and inhabiting those celestial bodies in the sky. Honestly, this is a very scary thing to think about. Humans before they discovered Jesus Christ, it's not a pretty world, Phil. Well, I mean, before, you know, the monotheistic, you know, inventions, (laughs) really, there was a lot of like the plurality of gods, kind of like most societies would have like a shit ton of gods. You know what I mean? So like. Uh, like the Apollo, or not the Apollo, uh, Apollo, the sun god, you know, Venus and all of these kind of basically just taking every single, every, you know, like um trying to think of another one. Vulcan is like the god of blacksmithing. So it's almost kind of like every single little thing had its own god in like Roman and Greek mythology. I think pretty much like Norwegian, you know, the Nordic religions were all the same thing and then it all just kind of gotten bottled up so that all of that money would get filtered into one temple rather than going to a bunch of different little ones i want to ask you and the the audience here a a important question and if you feel like giving us the answer either contact myself phil the show or the email okay is it better would it be better i should say to live in a world where we just assume the sun is a god. It's a beautiful god that comes once a day, fills the world up with heat, yada, 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 right? Or is it better knowing the truth that it's nothing more than a basically giant ball of fire that's just waiting to blow up and completely eradicate everything we know? Oh, well, hopefully not for billions of years, but I think it would be uh, kind of fun to live in a civilization that, you know, doesn't really know much about science yeah. and, you know, has little fun ideas about everything. The problem is, like, those scared societies, like, imagine living in a place like Kentucky, where they yeah. don't really, you know, they don't know science very good. And, <laughs> you know, like, everything's kind of all supernatural and mythical. Right. You know, it's kind of scary because, you know, if something happens that they don't understand, you know, ooh, fire bad, you know, they could start persecuting people. It's kind of very true. It'd be just like in those situations. So it might be kind of fun at first to have like a sun God and a moon God and all this. But all of a sudden, say the crops don't grow right. You know, oh, these people don't believe as well as we do. Like they believe in the moon God and we believe in the sun God. And that's why because they believe in the moon God. That's why it didn't rain this season. So we have to kill them now. Very true. Yeah, I always forget about that part of it. Yeah, you always forget that they're religious. Right. You know, they're scared and they persecute people. Well, you know what? Here's what I'm going to say. Anybody out there, let us know how you, which world you would rather live in. Yeah, definitely. Now, anyone that was a fan of the History Channel series, Ancient Aliens, knows what the ancient astronaut theory is and knows about the belief that our human ancestors were actually visited by extraterrestrials and that perhaps humankind may have even been created artificially by these ancient visitors. Yeah, this is, we've talked about this many times. It is a guilty pleasure of mine to watch this show. I watched so much of it. I remember when I was living at the old house. Oh, yeah, especially the dude with the wild hair. He was my favorite. He's everyone's favorite, but. But here's what I was going to say. I was watching it there in my room, and my sister's boyfriend at the time 
literally asked her, man, Cody really likes aliens, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) And she just started laughing. I'm like, yeah, I guess he's picking up. (laughs) I'm watching way too much ancient aliens here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're going to get deeper into this theory, obviously. But uh, yeah, very classic. Highly recommend ancient aliens after you listen to this episode, obviously. Yeah, I would say stick to seasons one through three. They kind of go off the rails starting around season four, and uh, they make some odd jumps. So they kind of, it was their high, their most successful show, but you could tell that they were kind of stretching it. Yeah, you know? around like season 10, just, it's not even worth it. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's basically like, does this bowl of pudding hold proof that aliens came <laughs> to visit? Blah, blah, just anything. Basically, anything that was in the fridge at the History Channel, they just pulled out and tried to, you know, make it out of aliens. So, obviously, that's, you know, yeah, being facetious. Yeah. But pretty much, I, I wouldn't doubt it if there was an episode like that. So, according to the ancient astronaut theory, these sky gods were said to visit our ancient ancestors from time to time, with evidence of this interaction supposedly left throughout the world. Now, this evidence, supposed evidence, I should say, came in the form of early cave paintings, hieroglyphics uh, carved into the side of, you know, rock walls, uh, even oral traditions that kind of still even live on to this day, recount the tales and legends of these otherworldly interactions between man and their gods. But if these myths are actually true, then how did they come and go as they pleased? And why did only certain peoples ever encounter these sky gods? That is the topic for today's episode, as we discuss the mysterious, supposed phenomenon known as Stargates. Okay, hell yeah. Uh, I've heard the term Stargates. You know, obviously I'm not proficient at it, but I love the term. Excellent. Yeah, very popular uh, sci-fi television show. Star. Oh, but that's one word, Phil. You put two words. That's Stargate. This is Stargates. Oh, it was probably autocorrect. <laughs> I put Stargates through as one word throughout most of the script. So is but it auto? I had, I have to fight autocorrect. So, so is this whole episode about half man, half Egyptian head things? Yeah. Even though I'm not really going to be discussing that at all. So in the TV show, it was basically the aliens would inhabit human form, and then they would wear these large kind of headdresses. And that's kind of where we get the depiction of, you know, the the Egyptian gods that we see on the hieroglyphics today in Egypt. But yeah, actually, there is a theory that the Egyptian gods were actually kind of in humanoid form, like along with the uh, the ancient Egyptians, and they looked like aliens. But the Egyptian carver or, you know, hieroglyphic carvers weren't actually allowed to either carve or paint them looking like aliens. So they made them kind of like represent birds and dogs and shit with a, with their heads. Jeez, that sounds like quite a stretch. Yeah. And then the thing is, though, the basically like the pharaohs wanted to kind of capture the, the spice or the magic of the, you know, the star gods. So what they did was they elongated their skull. They basically did the thing where it's like skull binding. If you've ever oh, heard yep, of that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So they practiced skull binding because that's what the aliens like really looked like. They had these weird potato shaped heads. So they were trying to kind of, you know, you know, catch the rub off of that look. Do you think 
people become more intelligent when their head, when their brain's shaped like a Nerf football. When you squeeze your skull as a baby <laughs> yeah, yeah. when you're forming, no. Also, <laughs> those uh, those pharaohs tended to be highly inbred, just like the monarchs of the the last century or the last millennia. Right, like like the Europe. Trump, like the so, Trump. So I mean, family. that's kind of the whole blue blood thing. Yes, 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 yes. But for today's episode, I'm really going to be kind of talking two different kind of stargates, um, and I'm going to really get into that right now. Let's do it. So starting off this topic, stargates are thought to be portals or doorways between our world and the worlds of ancient alien civilizations, with really two different theories on what stargates actually are. The first being uh, sites throughout the world acting as locations for these gateways, built either by ancient man under the influence of their alien overlords, or possibly by the aliens themselves, with human civilizations really just kind of seeing these structures and gathering around them. Or possibly, they may have even been planted near these sites to serve their alien masters. Now, the second theory is actually that these portals are thought to exist off of the Earth's surface, acting as either kind of like an exit ramp or connection point between these networks of alien travel corridors throughout the universe. This is actually the first theory that I'm going to be discussing in today's episode. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to... This is an early thing before we get too deep into it. The first one sounds more plausible, I think, right? It's kind of strange, but actually the second one is more plausible if you really think about it. So if you, if you kind of think about it the first basically saying that you're having like a doorway say it's carved out of a, a rock somewhere or made out of you know pillar stones you're actually having a doorway activated that becomes like a wormhole to this alien world basically all that the ones up in the earth's atmosphere or outside of the earth's atmosphere are are basically just kind of openings to wormholes through space which science can actually kind of explain Really. Are we talking about like black holes and such like that? Kind of. They're basically just like wormholes that open up from like one place to another that are generated by these aliens. So basically it's like saying if you wanted to go like jump from star to star, you would basically have like a wormhole that just kind of opened up in our solar system. And then another one that opened up going to another, you know, star system somewhere else. Kind of like a network, like a spider web. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess I I guess I would tend to believe you, but let's I'll wait till you get a little deeper into it and then we'll we'll come back to this, okay? All right. Now, a good example of one of these alien corps is the place that I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, that being Sedona, Arizona, where tourists have flocked for years due to the strange feelings that the area is said to give to its visitors in what are called energy vortexes or vortices. Now, these vortexes are thought to cause a strange vibration that acts on the energy vibrations that exist inside of a person's body, causing them to have these supposed feelings of tranquility and rejuvenation, with extreme cases supposedly even causing hallucinations. I will also say that the drug culture in Sedona is, you know, pretty big, so <laughs> that could possibly also have something to do with it. It reminds me of the commercials when people chew five gum, Phil. Like a oh, lot yeah, of these definitely. sensations tend to happen. So could 
chewing five gum actually maybe be have like a little little bite size energy vortex inside of it. Possibly also psilocybin mushroom. <laughs> I mean, the hippie culture in Sedona is pretty big. If you said that, yeah, there's probably a lot of hallucinogens, probably a lot of Joe Rogan's podcast playing. Oh, um, definitely on a loop, just you know, every day, all you hear is Joe Rogan podcast <laughs> him talk about ayahuasca going down to South America. A lot of uh, nutrition supplements for sale in the area, um, lots of things like that. So, okay, yeah, so, that's a little bit more on the conservative side of. <laughs> This is more of the the liberal ones who are just kind of after the the good feelings and the hallucinations, not as much the preppers. But I'm saying if you got Joe Rogan, you got to sell the products, buddy. Oh, yeah, that's true. Maybe in the outskirts. This is America. Maybe maybe where all the preppers live. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so your assumption is these energy vortexes might not actually exist. These are just hippies having a good time and then saying this shit happened. Well, suppose it, okay. So I've actually been there one time. We came back through on our way from the Grand Canyon, and I don't know. I didn't really feel any energy vortexes. Uh, maybe it's one of those deals where it's like where you have to believe it. Kind of like the martial arts who claim to have like the wind energy, where they can knock people over without touching them. Maybe you have to believe in it to actually feel it. Is well, kind you, of the deal that I'm thinking. You are an atheist. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I will say, though, I mean, they are selling. So Sedona has it's known for kind of it's like its culture. It's a huge like art center. You know, artists come in, they sell their, you know, their arts and uh, kind of in the next little thing I'm talking about. Basically, the hippy dippy types, like you mentioned before, the spiritualists, they'll come to this location. They pawn their crystal wares and their mysticisms. Also, there's a lot of stuff that is sold kind of like native american kind of like dream catchers and a lot of uh artwork and stuff like that uh really from the people who inhabited this area also sold if you've ever been there have you ever seen a a a picture of sedona probably off the top of my head i can't really envision it but the red rocks sound really familiar like i'm pretty sure we've talked about these rocks at some point in regards to something on this show before yeah, so it's pretty, I mean, it's really known as kind of like a spiritual area because of these these brilliant red rocks. And when I say like red rocks, they are, it's this strange color of red. Um, it almost looks unnatural. It almost, like if you see a picture of it, it almost looks photoshopped. Uh, if you ever go there, I mean, so kind of the next part of this, like native native tribes that inhabited the area lived and visited the red rocks. They actually called it Nawanda. Uh, they believed that this area was sacred and contained interdimensional tunnels used in ancient times by the star people to travel back and forth between the world and theirs. So almost like there's something in these red rocks that allow them to be, I don't want to say like transmit an energy source or something like that, but um, that's kind of what they're saying or there's tunnels hidden underneath of it or something like that. Yeah, they, I mean, they don't exactly know exactly what these, like, these vibrations come from. But supposedly it's a feeling that you get from, you know, just the surrounding area. Almost like a hum that comes from the rocks. This strange hum. Huh. Okay. And you did not experience any of this? No, I did not. Okay. Not at all. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you remember those, uh, I know a long time ago we played... 
Turtles in Time for the Super Ni- <laughs> Super Nintendo, <laughs> and they had those. All right, red- let's see. Let's see where you're going with this. What's up? <laughs> they had those Red Rock guys you fought, and they carried around girders. Do you remember them? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do remember okay. fighting them. Could- yeah, there's actually an arcade that has turtles. Uh, in downtown Gilbert, Dude, so that, I just played that a couple months ago. The uh, that game is fucking legit. I'm just gonna say that, but uh, but yeah, yeah anyway, that's a, that a great game. Maybe that's what <laughs> happens when you <laughs> spill the suit, <laughs> the secret ooze on these rocks. Maybe that's where those guys come from. But uh, the bad guys come out of the rocks. Yeah, yeah it is possible. Anything's possible. You know, um, in, but in, in the world of conspiracy. <laughs> See, this is why we like the show. We can literally just make up whatever we want, and somebody will say, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that could happen. They could make a history show out of it. Yeah, I suppose that could happen. <laughs> but yeah, um, native, the natives around this area, uh, there's a lot of lot of uh, UFO legends, alien legends, or at least that's how people interpret it from their stories and everything. Obviously, we covered the Hopi Indians a long time ago, uh, and they're kind oh, of yeah. around this area. It's not just this area. I mean, there. Uh, we we were just before the show started. We were talking about skinwalkers and kind of right. like a lot of the a lot of the extraterrestrial kind of like the the, the UFO sightings that happen um, throughout what is it like Utah and Wyoming and everything like that. It's not just that area. This area is in the Red Rocks. Is just kind of known as like a spiritual like a spiritual congregation. Like a well, place where they all kind of flock to. Well, I a think pilgrimage. It, I, if I remember, it's like New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, kind of, right? There's a lot of shit within those areas, isn't there? Yeah, well, there's just a lot. In New Mexico, there's just, a, you know, meth use. Yeah. But in Arizona and Nevada, yeah, Colorado, there's basically throughout the West, there's a ton of like UFO sightings, you know, right. weird kind of spiritual stuff. Right, right. As a result of the legends and strange phenomena felt in this location, night tour groups, like the ones that I mentioned in the introduction of this episode, have set up shop all around the small town of Sedona, Arizona, near Flagstaff. It's basically in between Flagstaff and the Grand Canyon. Now, these groups promise to have the chance to see an unidentified flying object streaming across the sky, really with the help of the town of Sedona, because the town is actually registered as a dark sky location or region. Uh, basically, this means that the town tries its best to eliminate light pollution and promote stargaze. That, that, so that's what they call it, a dark sky location, huh? Just because yeah. of those things? Well, no, it's a dark sky location, meaning that they they try to eliminate light pollution. Yeah. Like they try to keep traffic lights at a minimum, uh, street lights, all of that stuff. Basically everything that makes it hard to see the stars in the sky. So I will say that the one time that we stopped there and drove through, I did notice that it was, there were very few traffic lights throughout the town. It was mostly like these big roundabouts. It was actually the first time in America that I had seen roundabouts was in this town. Uh, I can tell you one thing then, using their identification system here, my parents' farm is very close to a dark light location. When you go outside <laughs> in the dark, it is a dark. Holy shit! You can see every fucking star in the sky because it's so goddamn dark there. Yeah, my uh, my sister lives outside of Chatfield, and if you basically just walk behind, like the into the woods, it is both a dark sky and a no, like a noiseless, like yeah. no noise pollution. Yeah, it is. It's so quiet you can hear your own fucking like 
the blood pumping through your veins. It's so quiet. <laughs> it's like being in a sensory deprivation chamber. Right. It's actually spooky. Like you miss the traffic. It's weird. That's what I said. I when I go back home, I miss the like ambient noise that a city offers sometimes. Yeah, I actually when I when when I go back, you know, to small towns like to visit either Emmitsburg or you know Chatfield, Minnesota. I almost have to have like my phone playing YouTube or something yeah. just to have something in the background. It's so, it's scary. Like living <laughs> in a city now. I can't I believe know. I actually used to like, that was basically all the time. You right. Know, for the first 18 years of my life, just that. Yeah. Uh, cities change you. Definitely. I will say too, um, that town of Sedona really doing a good job of keeping the town small. There's only about 10,000 residents in the town and one of the ways I think they actually do this is they promote very small roads. So you'll notice like driving through the town, they really don't have many like, you know, six lane roads, big four lane roads. It's mostly kind of just like two lane roads. But that also does suck because whenever it's like very tourist heavy, when this, you know, when there's like a big Memorial Day weekend or something like that, it's very hard to get around the town, supposedly. And there's nowhere to park either. Right. Yeah. I mean, I could. That makes sense. Definitely. Now, no one is exactly sure what caused energy vibrations, with some believing that it could have to do with the red rock buttes that exist throughout the area. Though, one explanation offered is a theory of ley lines, and the thought really that naturally occurring points of energy spread out throughout the world connect to each other. Now, this causes these lines to form around the Earth, with energy vibrations being the highest where these lines crossed. Now, I know we have talked about ley lines before. Uh, do you remember anything about them? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, yeah. I was. Ju- it's funny when you're literally saying this. I'm like, ley lines almost, we almost have to do a full episode on them one time just because I think there's so many different possibilities that people believe they are. You know what I mean? Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. So, obviously, I'd say the energy is the biggest one. There'll be conspiracies that there'll be like certain structures or whatever on top of a main hub of a ley line which i'm assuming they're kind of claiming the red rocks might be like centered right on top of maybe a big point of one of them or whatever yes but it's funny because and i don't if you're gonna say this in the future um just shut me up now but when you were saying like the energy vibrations or the vibrations in general, the first thing that came to my mind was magnetic something another. Oh, yeah. So I wonder if these ley lines, I suppose they're nothing to do with magnetic anything, right? Well, here's the thing about the, so the episode, I wanted to make it mostly about Stargate. And then I okay. kind of got into ley lines and I realized I had to quit talking about ley lines. Because the episode, Ley Lines is such like a big thing that almost like the episode became more about Ley Lines. And I knew that I wanted to do an episode on it in the future. So we'll be right. talking about it on a future episode. Okay. But yeah, yeah. The One of the big things about Ley Lines, um, we talked about the location down in Mexico where the, the missiles like diverted themselves and aimed them towards, you know, the magnetic. Yes. Um, yeah. So... Basically, I will say, I'm not talking about it in this episode much, but one of the things I did kind of read through about ley lines in my research, they're talking about the the Great Pyramid at Giza and yes. almost kind of like how it's a focuser of all of that energy. 
um, yes. out into space, or it's a collector of energy, you know, whichever one you want to believe. Yeah, but, that's a good point. I didn't even think about the pyramids, but definitely that is like obviously a, a belief associated with them. Yeah, I don't, it's funny because I feel like I've heard, I heard the term ley lines forever ago, right? But the first time I ever actually understood what they, <laughs> what they meant is in during one of the World of Warcraft expansions, <laughs> the, <laughs> listen, <laughs> like the little island you're on has all these ley lines that are like connecting and then this like magic's like kind of shooting out of the earth from yeah. a ley line that's leaking or whatever. Um, so I don't think that's possible on earth, but yeah, it, it, they're very interesting. And like you said, we need almost need to do a whole episode just because they're so intricate and stuff. Yeah, one of the things that I kind of actually really don't like about ley lines, I didn't really realize it until I did my research, is how it's almost up to the person. Like if you say you're looking at a map of the world and you're looking at these ley lines, no one's map is going to be exactly the same of these ley lines. Like there's no concrete ley lines that are like generally accepted. Pretty much all of these ley lines, where they converge, like where they, like what track they actually take, it's kind of really up to what the the map maker thinks is important. Yeah, you know, exactly. almost the sad thing too is, and it's kind of my my skeptical shit. They make these ley lines happen to connect at certain places. I also believe, like Stonehenge, I'm going to mention in a little bit. Okay, they talk about a lot of different ley lines that converge on Stonehenge. Well, are you making them converge on Stonehenge, or is it some kind of like natural weird thing? You know, right. that's what I kind of wonder. So it's hard to say. I'll, I mean, here's what I can say, though. If we've learned anything from the show, if they're using a numerical system to figure out these ley lines or anything, we've learned numbers can be fidgeted with to make them seem ominous, haven't oh, we? Just look at Jeff Bezos and his army yeah. of slave employees. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the Amazon warehouses are all laying on ley lines and they all connect and that's how they get packages to you in two days. They ship them through the ley lines. And then he gets all of that. He just sucks up that power. It all leads straight to his head. (laughs) That's why he has no hair on his head. It's just the energy forcing out all the hair, (laughs) causing his cranium to become fucking elongated. (laughs) Now, another location that is said to have the same weird characteristics involving strange vibrational vortices and increased UFO activity is, like I mentioned just previously, the ancient stone structure located in Wiltshire County in southwestern England known as Stonehenge. Now, this monument was built by ancient inhabitants of Britain. Uh, Starting really about 3000 BCE, which is about 5000 years ago, uh, it started with kind of just the digging of a circular ditch about 100 meters across, which now surrounds the inner stone monument, the, obviously the what everyone knows of the famous picture, uh, built around 2500 BCE, uh, kind of thought to take up between 50 and 200 years to construct. Though some of theories exist that the monument is actually thousands of years older than we currently believe, and that the stone monument was there before the human civilizations actually built up around them. That is an interesting theory. Like, I know some people out there, and this is especially true for, let's just say, religious people, where they think carbon dating is bullshit. 
wouldn't carbon dating kind of prove how old the stones actually are or have been in this area? Well, you can't really. Okay, so stone is obviously, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of years old. So you can't really date the stone, but you can. Okay, so there are barrel mounds that surround the the area of Stonehenge. And if you have if they like excavate any of obviously you don't want to excavate barrel mounds, but if they actually do any excavating of like, say there was a a small town or a, you know, a, a settlement near they can actually look through and they they dig a huge trench and they find organic material uh, actually trash heaps um like ancient trash heaps ancient uh, fire pits are great for archaeologists for you know finding this stuff they can carbon date all of that stuff and figure out like when you know when that little town was there so say like oh yeah there's a saxon village right here and the Normans had a palace over here, you know, this, that kind of shit. The ancient Celtic, the ancient Celts or the ancient Britons, they actually had a tiny little camp and they, you know, were throwing their garbage away over here. And we know that that's like 4,000 years old. So that's kind of how they figure that out. Anything bigger than that, I believe it is potassium argon dating is I think uh, how they figure out anything that's older than I believe 50,000 years old. But they're not talking about 50,000 years old with this. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? After I said it, I'm just like, okay, that's a good point. Um, you said there was a hole they dug, right, though? Or a circular ditch? Or no, they didn't dig that. That was just there, right? Well, yeah. So the ancient Britons supposedly dug this. To start off, so Stonehenge, the you know the site started off as just kind of a circular ditch that was dug. 100 di- 100 meters across. That's kind of how the monument started and then they basically started building these mounds like barrel mounds. Then they started building um erecting the stones. They're not exactly sure where they brought the stone in from. Uh they have a pretty good idea. They think that there's basically some quarries in the area and possibly like the really old, really like the really weird looking bluestone they think actually came from Wales. But that's like hundreds of miles away. Yeah, I, th- I think this came out a few years ago. They found like the forest that matched the same r- uh, rock. I think that's yeah. at Stonehenge, but they're not really sure how they moved it, obviously. Yeah, they think they um, basically used ships to move it from Wales to England. Um, also, they think that basically they cut down trees and they had logs underneath it. And they basically rolled these large stones across on like watered down mud and logs. Yeah. That's how they think they moved it. Yeah. But I will also say there's a guy I work with who was talking about carbon dating and how he doesn't understand. He kind of, you know, he he does his best. He doesn't really understand (laughs) like how they can say like the earth is 4.5 million years old just by using carbon dating. And I kind of had to explain to him how, you know. They don't really use carbon dating to figure out how the earth is, but he kind of wouldn't get off of it. So, yeah, but yeah, that's they, why I, that's skeptics why I, do use carbon dating as a, you know, like a, like, oh, that's like the weak point in the chain. So, well, that's what I'm saying. Like religious people don't really like carbon dating or believe in it because if you believe the earth is that old, then yeah. realistically the religion couldn't be possible. 
Yeah, well, it it can be possible. It, it's just one of their major pieces to change. Right. They have to go from creation theory to intelligent design. So if you say something is 7,000 years old, well, God, that's that's older than the universe. How can it be 7,000 years old? That's taking one of the cards away from that house of cards, and the whole thing starts to get shaky. Right. You know? Right. Now, no one is exactly sure about the explanations for the reason for the construction of Stonehenge. The most popular theories are that the structure was either serving as a calendar for solar and astrological events. Uh, This is due to the locations of the stones in relation to the sun, the moon, and the stars. There's also a belief that this was a place for ritual sacrifice with the final resting place for the victims being in one of the many earthen mounds that surrounds the structure. Also, it's possibly believed that it is a place for pilgrimage and healing. And that kind of has to do with like the strange vibration that we were talking about with Sedona. Kind of the same thing going on there. Um, also, it's believed that this maybe is a, a, a site that they used for religious ceremony. Uh, one of the strangest ideas for Stonehenge, though, is that it was used as a landing for extraterrestrial crafts, which visited the ancient builders of the monument. Okay. Um, well, first off, we can confirm because Bezos and Elon Musk still sacrifice their their warehouse workers at this site. We know that for certain. But Especially this... any of the ones who try to unionize. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, so, much like the Red Rocks, right? Yeah. There is supposedly vibrations that people fear like the same type of vibrations kind of yeah so supposedly people and they're not really sure if it you know comes from underneath the stones or from the stones themselves but there's kind of these like it's almost like a healing or rejuvenation vibration kind of like the hippy dippy type people that i you know if you believe it you're more likely to feel it let's just say yeah yeah they they kind of claim that you know this energy comes from this site it's be you know because of maybe possibly like the ley line and all of that. It's kind of like one of the the things. Kind of what I was ending it with there though is that because of the the area that it's in and because of all of the energy that above it in the like uh, in space above it is kind of one of those off ramps, the stargates. So they think that basically Stonehenge might have been kind of like almost like a runway for UFOs to come down and land. Gotcha. Okay. Is it? Okay. So I I can't remember right now. Like, let's say the average width of a, a, of a craft. Is that about the same width that Stonehenge would be? I, cause obviously we didn't go there when I visited oh. you. Um, let's just say the basic saucer. I don't know what 14 foot across, maybe something like that. Maybe it's bigger. Oh, I have no idea. I've never seen a UFO. But I'm just saying, from all of our stories about what we talked about, I think, well, maybe it's more like 30 foot across. Is Stonehenge from one rock to the polar opposite, would you say that's 30 feet? Um, I would say pretty much, actually, yeah. So right now, Stonehenge is just kind of, just a piece of it exists, of what used to exist. It used to be like a, the whole circle. Um, stones oh. are, you know, erected around it. Now it's just basically what the fucking, what history, what time has left us, you know, especially the fucking Victorians who nearly tore it down back in the 1700s, 1800s. But yeah, so I mean, that's kind of like a theory of like why it's there. Um, I would say, yeah, like the kind of the idea of how big a sauce 
would probably fit on top of it maybe, but I have no idea how big they would, you know, maybe, you know. You know, you know what? Let's just go with that theory. It's the funnest. Um, yeah, it's the fun theory when you don't think about it. The interesting thing it's, is, though, if we take the Red Rock and Stonehenge right now, you've got these motherfuckers who can come through the galaxy. They're going through wormholes. They're doing all this crazy shit. Shit we have no fucking idea how to do. And you're telling me the crudest looking rock structures on the face of the earth are what they use as an off-ramp. Well, kind of the explanation, I was watching Ancient Aliens Hell yeah. um, a couple like a couple months ago, and they were talking, I believe, about Machu Picchu. It was one of the sites in South America. Basically, it's the famous one where the rocks basically butt up to each other perfectly. Yeah, yep. You can't fit a piece of paper through them. They're saying that these... Alien civilizations, they aren't like like our civilization right now. We are highly temperate. Like the building that I live in was built in the 90s and it won't last into 2050. They need they need structures that are going to last eons basically so that they okay. know exactly like okay. where they're, you know, where to keep landing, where they have their, you know, uh, a big thing was they think that it was basically like trying to collect gold. And all of that, you know, all that stuff. Right now, the belief is that they're collecting people. So really, the idea is to have these structures that never deteriorate. And the best thing to to build out of that doesn't deteriorate is rock. It's going to last. Like the, the pyramids at Giza, they're still there after thousands of years. Gobli Tepe was buried underground for, they think, 11,000 years. And that's still there. So yeah, hasn't okay, eroded away. Okay, okay, that yeah, I could I could see that. I could see that. Like obviously, you'd rather have stone structures than some shit you buy off Amazon. The duration of life is significantly different. Yeah, imagine if aliens had come here and built the Empire State Building thirty thousand years ago. It would basically just be a pile of just oxidized metal and like broken up concrete that's all it would be after 30,000 years is just basically a little mound on the probably actually would have just washed away okay now what if they came here 30,000 years ago and built Heinz Field where the Pittsburgh Steelers play that shit would still be in immaculate condition right I don't know. There's a lot of, uh, you know, it's in Pittsburgh, so there's a lot of drug I suppose all that uh, situations. that ketchup and mustard that drips all over the metal will eventually rust, huh? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, interestingly enough, there is a local legend about the stone structure involving a group of pot-smoking hippies camping in the center of Stonehenge in August of 1971, whom were actually caught in a violent lightning storm. Now, the story goes that the group of friends were looking to either immerse themselves in Stonehenge's strange vibrations or, similarly enough, just a group of hippies looking for an interesting place to smoke pot and hook up. Uh, do, you, do you think these potheads showered before they came on here, Phil? Oh, definitely not. Okay. No, not for a... If they're hippies, at least. True hippies, not for a few <laughs> weeks. Yeah. So the thunderstorm, hopefully there's rain involved, uh, might, help, might help them out here. Yeah, supposedly this was a pretty violent storm. So according to legend, around 2 o'clock in the morning, a vicious lightning storm came upon the stone structure, with the hippies retreating into their tents. Now, while the lightning began to strike first the nearby trees, eventually the lightning would strike the large stones themselves. Now, a local police officer is said to have been on duty near the site when the lightning began striking in the distance. 
Uh, he also claimed that the lightning was accompanied by a strange blue light over Stonehenge. He could also hear screaming in the distance of the hippie tourists. Now, according to the legend, by the time that he made his way to the area of Stonehenge, the campsite was completely gone, with their tent spikes being the only thing that remained at their campsite. So the hippies were just gone, huh? Oh, yeah. Apparently, no, this is according to legend. Uh, There's also, there's kind of variations of this. Um, It's kind of hard. I was trying to find, like, maybe their names and kind of their names pop up. One of their names is Jamie. He's kind of the most famous one. There's also a little a little origin story kind of deal, kind of, like, taken off from him. So so do, are they assuming the little gate opened and stinky hippies are floating around in outer space somewhere? Yeah, kind of the idea is that this lightning storm was actually a UFO abducting them. Well, uh, you heard it here first, kids. Don't smoke pot. Um, yeah, possibly mushrooms, maybe. <laughs> Could be them floating around out there. Who knows? The devil's lettuce. <laughs> now, to go along with this legend, the story goes that one of the campers happened to be psychic and that he believed that the aliens were coming to abduct them that night. Now, this is because of an alleged journal that was also found near the scene after the incident. I will also say that according to some of the other legends, there were like letters written from two of the girls that were along on this trip. Um, Basically, also that this journal was found miles and miles away, kind of like scattered. But it's kind of all just according to the legend. Hearsay, yeah. In all honesty, they could have just found his fucking personal erotica for being... Real here, right? <laughs> His uh, 50-year-old playboys, yeah. just the full bush playboys. <laughs> the, aliens are coming around. To, the aliens are coming to probe me and suck my semen out. Oh, no. Oh, you mean his fanfic fucking yeah, uh, erotica. Yeah, ger- gotcha. that wasn't his, oh, okay. wasn't his journal. That was his personal fanfiction or his personal erotica he wrote in there, maybe. Gotcha. Okay, I get you now. <laughs> now, to go along with the increased UFO activity over... It is also speculated that the stones that had previously stood at the center of the Stonehenge Monument, which now makes up what is called the Altar Stone, which is actually lying down on its side, once acted as a stargate when it had been fully erected. Now, this stargate was said to have opened up to another dimension, connecting the Bronze Age residents to the alien civilization. So basically, because that stone is tipped over now, the gate's closed. Pretty much. So yeah, that obviously over, you know, thousands of years, uh, that stone in the middle is just happened to have fallen down. But yeah, it is believed, they kind of have these recreations of what Stonehenge actually looked like originally. And you do see the altar stone is on top of two larger stones and it's standing up right in the center. I think they should just put it back on there and see what happens. Yeah, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe that shit will open up. Jeff Bezos will be the first in line. Well, I was Him gonna, and Elon Musk will be fighting each other. I was going to say, what if it opens up and then an alternate universe, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos come out of there, um, and then the whole world they're, is just destroyed instantly? That would be great if they're actually Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk in the other dimension. They're actually peasant labor, at the, <laughs> and there's a different CEO in charge of Amazon. That would be great. <laughs> I was going to say, what if it was Jeff Bezos ran Bizarro World Tesla 
and Elon Musk was actually the CEO of Amazon in the other world. Ah, I see. Yeah, maybe. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that kind of makes more sense. I like mine a little bit better. Just yeah, because I, it's funny I, to think of Jeff Bezos as a peasant laborer maybe in, in a factory maybe, warehouse. But maybe in that alternate dimension, like more people actually listen to our podcast. No, probably not. <laughs> We're the now Joe in- Rogan of that dimension. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Now, another site that shares similar attributes with Stonehenge is located in, excuse me for my pronunciation, Anuradhapa Herpura, Sri Lanka, which was a Selenese political and religious capital that actually flourished for around 1300 years before it was actually abandoned in 993 AD due to an invasion. Now, inside of the city has a strange site, which is a spiritual garden known as Ranmunasa Uana, which has a stone carving located inside the known as Sekwala Chakraya, which was roughly translates to the rotating circle of the universe. The carving is thought to have been made around 700 CE, which was about 1300 years ago. Now, this is in the Buddhist gardens. These carvings really didn't garner much attention up until the internet age, which really ignited speculation about the stone carving. Uh, Most archaeologists believe that the carving is kind of just really an ancient map of the world, though some mostly in the internet speculate that the carving is actually an alleged stargate or portal between worlds, with the glyphs inside of the larger circle being a coded message of how to activate this doorway. And I have uh, a picture of what it looks like and the actual picture of the carving below. Okay, so the actual carving is quite faded then. Um, I assume it's old as shit, obviously. Uh, Yes. But how they see a Stargate out of this, I'm not certain. I mean, it looks real. It's very intricate. It looks very interesting, and you can see kind of patterns along with it. Um, The funny thing is, like, the rotating circle of the universe, that sounds fucking awesome, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of hard to see from the picture. I kind of had to blow it up for in order for you to be able to look at it. But so there's um, there's fish and uh, other little animals kind of going around the border of it. And then there's smaller circles with a large circle in the middle and kind of like vertical and horizontal lines that's cutting it all up. I'll put this all on the post, but basically they're kind of saying it's almost like a coded message for how this Stargate works. And that's kind of like the, you know, the supposed like theory behind the Stargate. So I will say though, that yes, the, the rock face, the carving is about 1300 years old. Um, It has a gate around it now, but kind of really, it's just, you know, any humans who have come along, it's been like ravaged by time. So yeah, it's kind of the, the markings are shallow, but they do know kind of like what used to be, like very prominent there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't see the Stargate, but I guess I could see where people might see it, you know? Oh yeah. It's, it's kind of really just whatever you want to make of it. Right. So the idea that it's a map of the world was actually taken from, there was a archeologist in the like early 20th century in about 1910, uh, back when the Island was called Ceylon 
when it was a colony. Basically, he's the one who came up with the idea that this was a map of the world. Gotcha. So I w- okay. There is also speculation that it couldn't it might not be a map of the world or a stargate. There's a theory really that it's just kind of construction plans for a fortress that happened to have been built nearby the sacred city. And it's located on a hilltop known as Siguria rock. And I have that down below Okay. kind of basically just how it's on top of that plateau. I don't really believe in that very much because it looks nothing like that diagram. Really? Is there buildings on top of that thing? Yes. Wow. Yep. It's pretty, I mean, it looks pretty fucking cool. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So they're not really buildings. So I believe from what I was reading, it's where buildings like used to be. Those are kind of like the remnants of the foundations of those buildings. Huh. How the fuck but, did they get up there? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what makes it a good fort. It's hard to fucking get up there. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. your seat of power for the whole area. You sure bet Jeff Bezos doesn't live on that fucker? <laughs> Fucking uh, him and all of his evil. (laughs) Yeah. Now, just like Stonehenge and Sedona, this area is known to have a lot of increased UFO activity happening around it. Uh, There is actually uh, just a, I think about two hours away, there's a strange plateaued hilltop located near the city of Anudarpura. And this is also on the island of Sri Lanka. Now, this strange hill formation is called Danangala or Alien Mountain. This is a very strange rock formation, which is theorized to have been an ancient landing site for alien vehicles. Now, the mountain is known to the locals as Stargate of King Ravana, and it is believed to be one of the places where King Ravana landed his special aircraft. Um, and it's right below, if you can see it. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it looks like a giant circle, right? I mean, if there was, <laughs> it looks like a place where a spacecraft had landed or sat for a very long time. Uh, it looks awesome. I mean, in the picture, it looks beautiful there. Uh, yes. I mean, the other ones you've talked about have more of a definitive shape, I guess, kind of, of a Stargate. So this one would almost be like a natural Stargate created by the 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 plates shifting and all of that, right? Well, this is actually just kind of like a landing pad. So the it's one of those deals where the Stargate's above it's Oh, above it and they just chill. They land here. And they come down and land in Sri Lanka on this plane. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Okay. I mean it looks kind of like that. I mean, I'm assuming this is a very big area. Oh yeah, definitely. They claim that the hilltop is natural, but Nothing. It doesn't look natural at all. It honestly looks like if you've seen West Virginia when they blow the tops off of those mountains to get the coal. That's exactly what it looks like. It looks like the top of this mountain was blown off. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's from them landing on it. Could be, yeah. It's kind of the speculation of uh, is it natural or did aliens actually kind of carve this out of a mountain? Right, right. There's also um, a lot of like cave structures and temples around here. There's also a 38-foot statue of Buddha that's made out of brick and stucco inside of those cave systems. So a lot of weird stuff going on. It's kind of far away from that ancient city and from that that little stargate. But it's just so interesting when I kind of saw it. I just wanted to, you know, throw it in there too. Yeah. Damn, that's very 38... If you see a picture of it, you you know exactly what you're looking at. Like, oh, that looks like a landing, like a helicopter. Yeah, pad. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, 38 foot statue of Buddha. That's crazy, though. Oh, yeah. It's, a big it's amazing one. how many statues of like around Asia. Uh, just a, even all the way going into like spread across to, I think, Afghanistan. A bunch of those statues, though, were torn down. Hmm. The last site that I'm going to mention is perhaps one of the best examples of what you might think of when ancient stargates are brought up. And that would be the Gate of the Gods, located near Lake Titicaca in Hayua Marca, Peru. Now, Lake Titicaca is thought to be where the world was created by the ancient Incans. And this nearby ancient structure, which was carved out of a rock face, was said to be where the creator god would return. Now, the monument is made up of two different cutouts in the rock. One, which is about six foot tall by six foot wide, is said to be the gateway for human travelers, with a much larger, 20 foot tall cutout, actually said to be for the sky travelers themselves, who ancient legends say were giants. So if you go down, you can actually see it. Yeah, I. this one is really trippy looking. Um, so... They think the Waltons are going to be coming out of here. Is that what it is? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. I was actually going to make a Patrick Ewing joke. But <laughs> okay. yeah, definitely. They uh, they think that. So basically, you see a smaller cutout inside the larger cutout. Yeah. And the smaller cutout is for the humans. The larger cutout is for the giants to come through. When kind it, of like you know, on Ancient Aliens, the giants are always depicted, are depicted as, you know, 20 foot tall, huge giants. So. Uh, the thing that's interesting is before you mentioned the cutouts, when I first looked at this, I was like, it looks like a keyhole almost. Like, it, do, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Interestingly enough, there is actually a circle and cut out into the rock where it's believed, I'll mention it in a little bit, it's believed that almost like a key fits in that activates this whole thing. Maybe it's like that key that comes out of the alien's finger in the fifth element. You stick that Possibly. bad boy in there. Yeah, it's just been waiting to use it. <laughs> now, the most famous legend about the Stargate is actually that of a priest named Aramu Muru, who served as the priest of the Temple of the Seven Rays. Now, he escaped persecutions by the Spanish by running to the monument, and actually what I was talking about before, placing a circular plate known as the Key of the Gods of the Seven Rays inside that circular hole in the rock face. This, along with the help from priests who helped him do the rituals, activated the Stargate. This caused a bright blue light to emanate through the smaller doorway, creating a tunnel. Now, the legend states that this priest actually traveled to the home of the Sky People, and he took the plate with him, depriving the Spanish access to the portal. I mean, I love that story. It's fucking sweet. Oh, yeah. Really, it kind of goes along with the destruction of the Incas. The Spanish ravaged the Incan Empire, who yeah. was like a thriving civilization up until the Spanish showed up and brought their disease. Right. Maybe, much like the hippies. Maybe uh, maybe this dude did uh, hide in there. So these doorways is not necessarily, if we believe this story, it's not that it opens and it basically takes you into outer space to in location to another planet or something, this will straight up take you, it'll open, and he would come out into maybe another planet, like on the surface, right? Yes. So of those two kind of descriptions of Stargates, the one being like an extraterrestrial superhighway, 
and the one being like a gateway to another world. This is the the latter. This is okay. actually just like with Stonehenge and kind of the the altar stone actually kind of creating a doorway taking you to another location. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, who's to say maybe he did. It's kind of too bad he took the key with him, I guess, but it happens. Yeah. If you were a highly spiritual people and all of a sudden the Spanish were coming through, just ravaging the countryside, you know, taking up all the gold, killing all the people, you would also be like, I can't let them sully the land of the sky gods. Right. You know? Right. And also it's kind of a selfish story because he just took himself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but exactly. Now there are a shit ton of other Stargates. Those are kind of just you know, form into an episode nicely. Um, I will go through some other ones. We'll kind of have a look at these pictures. And so, you know, you tell me what you think. There is a structure located at the bottom of Lake Michigan. Uh, They call it the Lake Michigan Stonehenge. If you go down, you can see that picture there. Huh, weird. They don't know where this came from. It's just chilling down there. No, they don't know where it came. Um, They did actually find that there was a carving of an elephant down there in one of the rock faces. Very interesting, huh? Which is strange because when they think that this was erected, obviously, you know, mastodons, mastodons haven't really existed in North for thousands of years. So it's one of those Legendary. deals where it's like, where did they, if, if this was built, if this was made like a few thousand years, where did they see elephants and mastodons in North America? Kind of one of those deals. I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know, but. I have a feeling if they can unlock the secrets to this this structure here, the Detroit Lions will win Lions. the Super Bowl. Yeah, definitely. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> How is this going to help the Lions? Or just kidding. <laughs> Nothing can help the Lions. They're hopeless. There's also Gobola Tepe in Turkey. Uh, this is actually an ancient site I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. Uh, it's over 10,000 years old, they believe. And it's kind of a site that was actually buried by the ancient people after it was built. They believe, well, some internet people, I suppose, believe that there's like a Stargate located in this area too. Yeah, this one's a weird looking one. At first glance, it almost looks like a grave site, but obviously that's not, I don't think that's what it is. Um, Yeah, basically in order to see all of this, they had to excavate an entire hill. Pretty much. So they've taken a shit ton of dirt and rock out of here. Hmm. Maybe. Uh, could it be possible they didn't bury it? It just some sort of natural event covered it up? Oh, no. They're pretty sure that humans buried the whole site. Huh. Just I, by how it was buried. I mean, very interesting. It, it's very unique looking place. You can say that for certain. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Especially when you think of like the amount of technology that. Like we believe that people living twelve thousand years ago had right, you know, right, kind of amazing, right. Uh, the next one is kind of like what more of you would think of a Stargate, actually, and that is the Gate of the Sun in Bolivia. If you go down a little bit, okay, you can actually see it's kind of like a doorway to nothing. Now, th- like if you didn't know anything about this, you would assume this is like the entrance to a Universal Studios ride. Um, yes, this thing is. Really cool, honestly. It looks awesome. See, this, if we're going to say something's a Stargate or some shit, this here, I think, is literally a fucking doorway. Um, Looks really cool. 
So what's the deal with the big crack in there, Phil? Uh, well, I was reading up a little bit about it. They actually were saying that basically when they first found it, that top piece had fallen off and the large crack had formed. So pretty much they just put the the top rock back on top of the other two stones. And I don't know if uh, that crack goes all the way through or if it's just on the kind of on the face of it. But it looks to be holding up just fine. So, okay, if this cracks in there, does that deactivate the Stargate? It must be. Yeah, yeah Jeff Bezos is out of luck. <laughs> That's why he's trapped on Earth with us. Definitely, him and his large head. <laughs> so the last place I'm going to mention is actually kind of a funny thing. During the Iraq War, invaded Iraq, there was actually a little conspiracy theory that America was after. Uh, a Stargate that was there. That was obviously during when the television show Stargate was very popular. Um, it's located supposedly in the ancient Sumerian city of Eridu in the ancient land of Mesopotamia, which is now Iraq, the land between two rivers. Basically, yeah, that Eridu place had been buried under the sands for thousands of years. And that's believed that the Stargate is actually was stolen from that site. Kind of like the conspiracy theory is that that Stargate was either taken by Saddam Hussein and then taken by the Americans. Or the reason why the Americans invaded was because Saddam Hussein found it and they got there first. So, You know what? Uh, with America, wouldn't put it past them, to be honest with you, but... Yeah, you know. And it turns out we were actually for, you know, contracts. But uh, <laughs> for, for uh, old VP Cheney's, uh, yeah. his Halliburton company. But yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a fun little story. Um, if Stargates do exist, I could see like this ancient city of Sumeria, Eridu, is they, they, like the cradle of civilization. Like old, old city might be one of the first cities ever created. So yeah, I could see, you know, if there's going to be one anywhere, it might be here. So well, okay, with all of the what you've talked about today, um, give me your your personal feelings on Stargates. Do they exist? Do you want them to Ooh. exist? I think it would be cool if they did exist. I wouldn't want any uh, human to control them if they do exist. No. Because I don't trust not. their their actions. But I would say the most plausible is probably the ones that are in outer space that kind of like connect the networks of you know, like the space corridors for the, the, the UFOs. So that's kind of my favorite one. The one that I think is most possible. Um, honestly, having, you know, any kind of alien technology would, we would see, we would kind of conceive as like magic. So it's almost like thinking when you would see, like, like we were talking about the, the one in Peru, basically like a blue tunnel will form and then a person can walk through it. That would look almost like magic. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to understand how that one it's easier to understand like these gateways or you know these space corridors up in outer space that connect all of these star systems so here's so a, it's, a, it's a little easier to figure that out. here's the thing if they do exist they did work at one time you gotta wonder why did they just say fuck it we're never coming back again you know you kind of wonder that unless they came simply to imp give humanity a little bit of a push um into the future or maybe to try to indoctrinate them i don't know uh it, it's hard to say but it's very interesting you know we'll probably unless the vatican lets us use the chronovisor we'll probably never know why they actually were put there um but 
But yeah, or if they actually exist, I should say. But uh, but yeah, Phil, if anybody wants to contact us, let us know. If you've, if you've visited any of these sites, if you've gazed upon them yourself, you want to let us know about it, where can they do that, Phil? Well, they can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from everybody. It's Also, you can get a hold of us probably even, even easier is on our Instagram account, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, Cody and I really appreciate all of the likes and all of the shares. You know, keep it up. It's always great. Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is SDPodPhil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at CodyZabub. Uh, talk to me about weird shit if you want. The last thing we need you guys to do is to log into iTunes, leave the show a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say, just preferably a five-star and written one. Thank you to everybody who's taking time to do that. If you're a Spotify user, it's even simpler. You can simply just leave the five stars. You don't have to type shit out. And we greatly appreciate everyone who's taking the time to do that as well. Phil, excellent episode. I love learning about these weird structures and... I learned about a few new ones that actually exist, so thank you for that. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.